welcome to season two, episode 48 of Sisters Coffee and Crime. I'm Sandra. And I'm Christina. Today we're talking about the murder of Tina Wu and the attempted murder of Teresa, her sister. In the summer of 2000, these girls were attacked. The same man attacked at least two more women. Join us while we talk about these crimes. Tina and Teresa were very smart young women. Tina was 18 and Teresa was 14. They were excellent students who both loved music and dancing. Tina was the more serious sister while Teresa was more easygoing. They both wanted to live in Canada and to study English. Their friend Ruby Chang had moved and kept in touch with them. They were originally from Taiwan. Now, Teresa and Tina had visited Ruby on multiple occasions and that's kind of what started them wanting to move to Canada. They had become close with the Chang family and Ruby's father, Jeff, had become almost like a second father to them. Tina and Teresa believed that Canada had great opportunities for them and the girls end up moving here in, in, into Toronto in 2000. And Jeff had started helping them out. Now they move into a basement apartment in the Bayview Shepherd area and the girls were taking English courses and some music lessons as well. They spent a lot of time with the Chang family. They would have like whatever family things that the Changs were doing, the girls were also invited. Unfortunately, Tina and Teresa were only in Toronto for three weeks when everything changed. Wow, only three weeks? That's only three a weeks. really short time. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't justify any time going by, but three weeks, it's that's very fast. Now, in an interview with Global TV, Jeff talks about the last time he saw the girls before the attack. He says that he drove them back to their home that night after they had a flute lesson. He remembers telling them about a window that was open. Now this window is a basement window, so you would, could actually walk right up to it. Like from the driveway, you, could, oh. you had to like crouch to look into the basement. Yeah, okay. That's very common in a lot of the houses. Right. Jeff leaves Ruby, um, and Ruby and his wife were also there. Oh, sorry. With the window, he remembers telling them, like, close that window right. when you guys get inside. He leaves. Ruby and his wife are, are also there. And because it was kind of, it wasn't late, but it was 9 o'clock at night, they get ready for bed, and that's it. Now, that night, a phone call comes in, and his wife picks up. And this is sometime after midnight. Okay. There was silence, and then a scream. And he remembers his wife saying, Teresa, Tina... And the line literally goes dead. Oh, jeez. So the couple decides, okay, something's wrong and we have to go check on them. Yeah. Now, when Jeff and his wife get there, Jeff decides to look through that window mm -hmm. to see if he notices anything wrong before he starts, like, knocking on the door. Sure, of course. Jeff sees blood everywhere. Oh, he then sees Tina's body on the floor covered in blood. Teresa was leaning against the sofa. Jeff remembers Tina trying to, like, move her leg, and then she just stops altogether. He calls the police, and he says, you know, get here right away. Someone was murdered. On July 27th, 2000, in the early morning, police arrive on the scene. Now, they believe that the perpetrator climbed through the window of the ground floor. Mm -hmm. And the way that he climbed in, he would have to, like, jump down. And that's exactly where they're couch was right okay in the basement now when the man climbed through the window 14 year old Teresa Wu was sleeping on that couch 
and that would that was located directly under the window. Mm-hmm. The attack started with Teresa and Tina, the 18-year-old. She was asleep in one of the back rooms. She runs out to see what's going on. Right. And the attack continues. Now, Tina doesn't survive the attack. Teresa was in serious condition following the attack. She had multiple surgeries. Mm-hmm. When she first wakes up, she has no memory of what happened. But she knows that she's in the hospital. Right. And when she asks for her sister, and no one wants to tell her. No, of course not. She, of course not. Like, I think internally she knew something was, was wrong. wrong. Now, at the scene, the killer cuts himself, and he leaves blood in the apartment, which is actually really great for investigators because mm-hmm. they have DNA. Right. Now, with the DNA being processed, it's discovered that there's a link to another crime in the same area. So basically, semen was left at the scene of a violent sexual assault, okay. and that matches the blood at the Wu sisters' scene. Right. Now, in in this case, the perp climbed through the window, mm-hmm. and the victim was um, alone, asleep, and it was around 3 a.m. He go- so he goes to get a weapon, specifically a knife, and it was at the residence. He cuts. Um, he he gets. A pillowcase he cuts right. holes for his eyes okay and then he goes into the bedroom and he rapes her at knife point now this happened about two miles from the Wu sisters mm-hmm. and this woman was also Asian oh, okay so there's a there's a type yes right and this happened in the summer of 1999 oh wow okay now a task force is formed to find out mm-hmm. what is happening mm-hmm they have a really vague description. Uh, like it's the most vague of vague descriptions because obviously he had a, something over his head with the right. woman. So, but they think he's male between 20 and 30, five, eight muscular. He speaks English. He wore a white shirt, black shorts and runners. Yeah. Okay. So basic. Yeah. yeah. Even his wardrobes, basic. Okay. Everything. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I mean. Like when it's vague, it's really vague. And mm-hmm. I know they like put it out there. Right. Which almost seems like why? White shirt, black shorts. I mean. Yeah. I'm, I get but it. Then, yeah. Because then somebody could argue where it's like, well, why, why aren't they giving me yeah. any details? I know. Right. So yeah. Now in December of 1999, a mother of two uh, had her house broken in, into and then again in 2000. The same house? The same house. Oh, now, okay. She drops her kids at school, and it's snowing, so she's going to shovel her driveway. So she, when she gets back, she puts her car into the garage. Right. And she's going, just you know how they had like the door from the, the garage to the house? Right, that goes right into the house. Right. Yeah. So now she's going in there, and she gets approached from behind. Now in an interview with Global News, she tells them that when, she, when he approached her, she still had her key fob in her hand, and right. she starts to set it off. Oh, very smart. Yeah. Now, the attacker starts to hit her, and he starts to threaten her with a knife, saying things like that he was going to cut her, he was going to cut her face off, like for her to shut that fob, the fob off. Right. So he asks her for money, and he wants her bank card, and she does give him the bank card and a fake PIN number. Mm-hmm. And she also gave him her watch. Now, he made her sit on the couch, and he was asking her to take her clothes off, but she kept refusing. Okay. 
she says that she believes robbery may have been part of it, but she does believe that ultimately that's what he wanted. Yeah. Now a neighbor does walk into the to the house. It's not a neighbor like the keys going off. Remember the car is going off. Right, right, right. And I'm guessing if you go near the house that you're gonna hear some screaming because she was screaming. Right. So he doesn't really know her very well, mm-hmm. but he goes to check out what's going on. Right. He enters from the exact same door that she went in. Okay. And she says like she didn't know him, but he decided to check it out. And that neighbor finds her in a pool of her of her own blood. He somehow knocked her out. She doesn't remember how. Right. Okay. And he leaves. And after he left, he leaves from like it's like he knew the layout of the house because she said her, the layout of her house was really strange and okay. he knew how to get out so it's her belief that he was the same person in december that right. broke into her house okay so he leaves not obviously from the garage door not from the garage door he left from somewhere else okay and he was undetected because that neighbor and him didn't run into each other right so the neighbor's coming in through the garage right and this this guy has left through a different uh, exit. Okay. So now three women are attacked all around sort of the same area and kind of in the same time, like all within right. that little period of time. And they're all Asian women. Mm-hmm. Now when Tina and Teresa were attacked, a neighbor gives police the description of a black van that was parked in their spot because they lived in like those kind of apartments on Bayview and Shepherd, so they have designated spots for people. Right. And this black van was parked sort of the next building over in a spot that it shouldn't have been in. So please try to track down this van. Now this van is seen at a local gas station pumping gas, and the criminal had taken that debit card from one of his victims. Right. And the police obtain video surveillance of him trying to take money out at a mall. Right, because remember he had a fake... The fake pen. Yeah. So this gives them a little bit more of a description. And the man seen at the Petro gas station, they actually end up finding him and they sort of stop him for like a routine uh, traffic stop. Right. And they get his ID. So they know his name is Stuart McKellar Cameron. Now they find out that he pawned a bunch of stuff at Oliver's Jewelry... Specifically, mm-hmm. a watch. Right. A lady's she, watch that yep. he had taken from that woman. Right. So they put him under surveillance, and they see him with a woman uh, in his van, and this woman is not his wife, and they think a sexual act takes place. Cameron gets out of the van, and he throws a tissue onto the floor. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's what you think. Because that tissue was taken and tested. Right. And the DNA on that tissue matches Cameron to the crimes. Yeah, so they end up arresting Cameron and he does admit to the murder of Tina Wu and the attempted murder of Teresa and he also admits to the sexual assaults. Sorry, but the woman in the car, did anyone check to see who she was and if she was okay? No. Okay. All right. I mean, she left alive. I'm guessing that that was enough for them. Right. Okay, I guess. I mean... If something seems suspicious, why wouldn't you just ask the woman? We didn't do that here, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there was no real information on her. I don't know if they stopped her, if they detained her. Or if she left at that point or something. Okay. I'm hoping that they did. Yeah, me too. 
Now, one of the reasons that he gives for committing these crimes, which oh, is no. just so stupid. Yeah, here we he go. He says that he was smoking a large amount of pot and that this gave him crazy thoughts. The pot gave him crazy thoughts? Yeah. Okay. And it's really, it's just a cop-out. This is just you trying right. to blame it on something. Uh, anyways. Ridiculous. Now, Cameron does plead guilty to two charges. Uh, to two charges. One of second-degree murder and one of attempted murder. Now, he is sentenced to prison for life with no chance of parole for 20 years. But this wow. was done in 2000. So we're in 2021. Right. Yep. Now, at first, he made it seem like everything was random. But as he's going for parole years later, it's found out that he's in an unhappy marriage. And his wife, at the time, she was Filipino. Mm-hmm. And he basically blames her. He says that they were in a bad marriage. He hates his wife. And he was attacking women, I guess, that reminded him of, of her. Now, it has been 20 years, and he is on unsupervised leaves from prison. He has been allowed to go to, like, a healing lodge. Oh, what? Yeah. Yeah. All the stuff. So, he... Wait, who, okay. He is on unsupervised um, leaves, which I don't agree with. I don't like. Because mm-hmm. what happens when he becomes unhappy with something else? Right. So I don't know what the ridiculous. conditions of his parole is, though. Well, it seems pretty lenient. That is the case of the Wu sisters. I did leave out a little bit. If you guys go back and watch the episode on on this, it's called Hiding in Plain Sight in Enigma by Crime Beat. They go into a lot more depth. But I left out some about him being like this great guy or what is perceived by the community or neighborhood because I... I mean, he was obviously not, yeah. I don't like it, but if you guys want more information on it, I say go watch it because it was really good. Um, so remember to follow us on IG at sisters.coffee.and.crime and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. This is Christina and Sandra. Talk soon.